But here on Palm Sunday, today a day that we remember the triumphal entry of Jesus. It is called a triumphal entry, uh, yet we would question what was the triumph? What was the triumph over as he came in such lowliness and simplicity? And This triumphal entry was a representation of his triumph over sin as he was paraded through the streets of Jerusalem. And we remember We remember what he's done. We remember, of course, this triumphal entry, but we remember the work that he had done leading up to this point, the ministry of Jesus. And we remember, of course, what happened after this and the work that he fulfilled in his death and his resurrection and fulfilling the work of salvation. You see, that's what this week is all about. In fact, that's what our lives are all about. That's what our relationship with Jesus is all about, is salvation. And remembering every single day, not just this week. It's easy to remember this week because there's, you know, Easter egg hunts. (laughs) Because there's all this stuff in the store that says it's Easter time. Right, So we're constantly reminded by the things in the world around us, but that reminder is, is nothing. It's, in fact, it's empty. But we as believers in Jesus Christ should be reminded every single day that we are alive in Christ. We've been studying it in Ephesians. I know it's been a while. You may not remember because it's been so long since we've studied in Ephesians. But we talked about the fact that we are made alive in Christ. That's what it's all about. That's why we celebrate. And that's why we have reason to celebrate every single day. Not just this week of the resurrection, of remembering his death and resurrection. Jesus We look at, we could go back from holiday to holiday, right? And we can look at Jesus presented as the lamb on Christmas. And now here, Palm Sunday is is in fact this remembrance of Jesus being presented as the lamb for sacrifice. Presented to all the people and demonstrated as the king. We see that Jesus, what he does must be remembered and that his work requires a response. And so let's look at what Jesus has done today, Matthew chapter 21, and the response to that. Verse one says this, now when they drew near Jerusalem and came to Bethpage at the Mount of Olives, then Jesus sent two disciples saying to them, go into the village opposite you and immediately you will find a donkey tied and a colt with her. Loose them and bring them to me. And if anyone says anything to you, you shall say, the Lord has need of them, and immediately he will send them. All this was done that it might be fulfilled, which was spoken by the prophet, saying, tell the daughter of Zion, behold, your king is coming to you, lowly and sitting on a donkey, a colt, the foal of a donkey. So the disciples went and did as Jesus commanded them. Then they brought the donkey and the colt, laid their clothes on them, and set him on them. And a very great multitude spread their clothes on the road. Others cut down branches from the trees and spread them on the road. 
Then the multitudes who went before and those who followed cried out, saying, Hosanna to the son of David. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest. And when he had come into Jerusalem, all the city was moved, saying, Who is this? So the multitude said, This is Jesus, the prophet from Nazareth of Galilee. Lord, again, we look to you in your word. We thank you for your word. We thank you for the hope and the promises and the truth of your word. And we pray that today, by your word and by your spirit, you would transform our lives, that you would make us more like you, that you would draw us closer to yourself, revealing yourself. We trust in you. We love you. We need you today. It's in Jesus' name. Amen. So looking at this, of course, the beginning there, we're going we're gonna to kind of jump right into verse 4, but these first few verses is just this word that has been given to these two disciples. Go and follow. Walk in obedience. Take care of business that Jesus sent them to take care of. And so they walk in that obedience. And now all this, verse 4, was done that it might be fulfilled, which was spoken by the prophet, saying, Tell the daughter of Zion, behold, your king is coming to you. Lowly and sitting on a donkey, a colt, the foal of a donkey. So the disciples went and did as Jesus commanded. They brought the donkey, they laid their clothes on them, and they set him on them. First of all, we see that Jesus comes in humility. Sitting on a donkey. Now the prophecy is of Zechariah chapter 9, verse 9. says, Rejoice greatly, O daughter of Zion. Shout, O daughter of Jerusalem. Behold, your king is coming to you. He is just and having salvation, lowly and riding on a donkey, a colt, the foal of a donkey. These are the words quoted here in Matthew chapter 21. This is the prophecy of Zechariah that was to be fulfilled. And that's why it's happening, is because Jesus came to fulfill all things. He came to fulfill the work of salvation, and now he is, in fact, fulfilling this specific detail of coming, riding on a donkey. And he comes with this direct fulfillment of prophecy, sitting on a donkey as a demonstration of his kingdom, the spiritual kingdom, not a military kingdom, Not a political kingdom, but a spiritual kingdom. And as he comes in this spiritual manner of humility, he sets this great example. This is what he's all about. Because the son of God has not come to be served, but to serve. And to give his life as a ransom for many. He came in all humility. Philippians chapter 2, we've referenced it many times before, gives us a great picture of the humility that Christ came in. And that humility is demonstrated so well here in him coming on a donkey. It wasn't about this military power. It wasn't about a political power. Now, people were looking for military power. People were looking for a political ruler, somebody to overthrow the Roman government, Somebody to end the oppression of the Jews. But he came on a donkey, not a horse. That's how a king, royalty, would have come. On a horse. With a whole uh, parade leading the way. 
And everybody would be celebrating in a similar manner. But he came in humility. As a humble king, he came in peace. The military rule, perhaps, that people were looking for is not what Jesus brought. He brought peace. He came to bring peace, not just peace among Jerusalem, peace uh, between the Jews and the Romans. Because his kingdom is spiritual, he came to bring peace between God and man because we, man, was at enmity with God. Not as a warrior, not in royalty, but in humility. Daughter of Zion, as it says, is speaking of Jerusalem and the people of Jerusalem. Your king is coming. That is a great announcement. Your king is coming. That's the prophecy. So the word here is to say, of the prophecy of Zechariah is to say, behold, your king is coming. Behold, pay attention to this. Look upon this. We've, we've looked at that word. We've talked about that word bef- before. Behold, pay attention. Your king is coming. And here's how he's coming because you might get it confused. If you think of a king coming, you might think he's coming on a horse. You might ki- think he's coming in power. He's coming with, with an army alongside of him. But Zechariah's prophecy says, no, Behold, your king is coming riding on a donkey. In fact, a child donkey. That's how your king is coming. In the lowest place, in simple humility. This is a great announcement, though, to say, behold, your king is coming. The words here that it says to rejoice greatly in Zechariah's prophecy as well is the word meaning fear not, is to rejoice greatly. Fear not. A great reminder when things are so uncertain. As things were so uncertain to to the people of Jerusalem, the daughters of Zion, things were so uncertain. They were under great oppression from the Romans. And in the midst of all of that uncertainty and all the difficulty and all the pain and all the suffering, the word is fear not. The king is coming. And what a reminder to us today. Look around you in the world. I guarantee if anybody would open up their smartphone right now, I'm not telling you to do this, but if you were to open up your smartphone and open a news app right now, There's bad news, right? There's how many different news apps that you could find too. It's all bad news. Because we know the saying, of course, no news is good news. There's always a report on what's the next bad thing that's happened or is going to happen. Or here's the speculation. You get a lot of those these days. Here's speculation of what's going to happen. Recession or this or that, right? It's gonna happen. It's gonna happen on this year. Get ready for it. A lot of uncertainty. But the word to people in the midst of all of the uncertainty is rejoice greatly. Fear not. The king is coming. What a foreshadowing of the coming of Christ when he will come, not on a donkey, but on a horse. And he will rule and reign. 
It's a beautiful picture of the coming kingdom, the spiritual kingdom. And we have to be reminded that he is coming. In the midst of all of the uncertainty and all the difficulty and the wars and the rumors of wars and the the struggle and the strife and the, the difficulty and the pain that's going on all in the world around us, we remember that the king is coming, riding on a horse, down the Mount of Olives, right in the same location. A beautiful foreshadowing. Remember the fear not. The king is coming. So Jesus fulfills in his humility, but he also foreshadows in his humility here. And then, of course, humility, the humility of Christ ushers in this great celebration. Verse 8 says it, right? Then as they brought the donkey, the colt, they laid their clothes on him. And a very great multitude spread their clothes on the road. Others cut down branches from the trees and spread them on the road. A great multitude had come. Now, this is preparing for Passover. So as we've talked about before in the Gospels, as we've read and studied in the Gospels, the the Passover was one of the largest celebrations throughout the year. I've, I've likened it to, you know, summertime on the Jersey Shore, maybe Fourth of July weekend on the Jersey Shore. It's crowded. It's wild. It's crazy. There's a lot going on. And now there was a great multitude coming to gather in Jerusalem to celebrate the Passover. But before they would even celebrate Passover, here they are celebrating Jesus. A great multitude had come because many had come to believe in Jesus. Throughout the Gospels, we see that many had come to believe. And now here's this great multitude that through the ministry of Jesus in Jerusalem have been so impacted. Now there's a response to the work and the words of Jesus. They heard that Jesus was coming. And here we see yet another response to Jesus. Not just to the miracles, not just to the works that he's done, which demand a response But it's a response to the coming of the king. It's a response to the presence of Jesus. What is our response? Do we celebrate? What is our response to the presence of Jesus in our lives? What is our response to the presence of Jesus in our fellowship, in our church? He inhabits the praises of his people. Are we celebrating him? And and through his ministry, as they heard, they came to celebrate. And they're responding now to his presence that he is here. And the response is they lay their, their coats down, their clothing down on the road. This is the royal treatment. They are rolling out the red carpet, so to speak. And even some, as it says, even some, maybe they didn't put their coat down, but they're going to ripping branches off the trees so that they could celebrate and make way for the coming of the king, to prepare the way for the coming of the king. And these palm branches, now palm branches or a palm tree in Jewish culture is a symbol, and it represented actually several different things, and one is fullness, then strength, prosperity, nationalism, and celebration. This is all, palm branches would be all of this, a celebration of these things. Now, in many people's minds, prosperity and nationalism are in the forefront. 
As they get their palm branches, they're thinking, oh yes, nationalism, here we go, wave the banner, wave the flag of Jerusalem. Wave the flag of the Jewish people. Or maybe for us, in some of our lives, and some of our mindsets, we've come to that place of waving the banner, the, the palm tree. And we're in that place of waving the flag of nationalism, waving the American flag even to say, well, that's what Christianity is. And sometimes we get confused between Christianity and nationalism. Christianity and patriotism. We need to be focused on one person, that is Jesus. And one thing, and that is the gospel of Jesus Christ. Ultimately, this would be a symbol or a, a type of a patriotic celebration that's taking place here in the streets of Jerusalem. And what they had were the branches. Some, their clothes, and some, we don't have our clothes to get, so here's branches making way. But it, it represented all of this fullness, strength, prosperity, nationalism, celebration, and this multitude of people went out to meet Jesus. They were excited because Jesus was near. How do we respond when we hear that Jesus is coming? The king is coming. Now, I'll share a little story. My seven-year-old, Madison, not that long ago, we got into a discussion in our nighttime family devotions, and my my eight-year-old Caleb says, man, the rapture is coming. Jesus is coming, right? We're going to be raptured. And Okay, amen. Madison starts crying. I'm not ready. I don't know. I have so much life to live. And she's super dramatic. If you know Maddie, she's just, she embraces that life. And, oh, I can't. It's, it's so sad. And, oh, no, it's not sad. It's a celebration. It's wonderful. You know, Jesus is going to come and get his church and it's going to be a great thing. I don't understand. It's just too much for me to handle. This is seven years old. She's going through this whole, it's, I, I can't handle it. I'm not ready to, to understand all of it yet, she's talking about, right? So we, we do our best to minister to her and, and try to help her understand of how we are to respond when we hear or we learn that Jesus, the king, is coming. And the response, the, the reasonable response. Now, of course, my daughter, she's, she's growing and learning in her relationship with the Lord. She doesn't yet understand. But the reasonable response is to go and celebrate, meet with Jesus, and celebrate him when we hear that he is near. Continuing then in verse 9, then the multitudes who went before and those who followed cried out. So the celebration gets even better. We have the, the humility of Christ that ushers in this celebration of the coming of Christ, the king that is coming. And now we see praise. And the word that they say is Hosanna. And that word means save now. 
giving glory and saying, save now, save now. That is this, this proclamation in the streets of Jerusalem of the Jewish people to say, save now, Hosanna. And the idea here, as we would translate it, the idea is there was a repetition of saying, Hosanna, Hosanna, Hosanna. To repeat these words as they were longing for a savior. It was a beautiful and glorious celebration. But there was a bit of misunderstanding because what they made what some would have been saying is save us from the oppression save us from the roman government save us from this bad leadership and bad rule over us save us from our circumstance or our situation but this triumph was not to save from their problems it was to bring salvation now some would be proclaiming that as well. Save now, Hosanna. Do it. We trust in you, do it. But many were lacking understanding. Their greatest need, which is spiritual salvation. Yet it was such a glorious proclamation without even knowing exactly what they were saying. Of course, this all had to happen because it was prophesied in Zechariah chapter 9. But nonetheless, they were crying out to Jesus in celebration and in praise, saying, do it. Save us. We need a savior. That's the recognition. But listen, we need to cry out to Jesus in celebration and in desperation. As we cry out in praise and we might say, Hosanna. And we sing songs and, and we bring this focus on Palm Sunday into those words, Hosanna. Blessed is he, blessed is the king who comes in the name of the Lord. What does this mean to us? Are we longing for a savior? Are we longing for salvation? Are we crying out in desperation for Jesus and in anticipation for the coming of the king with the best that we have? recognizing that we have Jesus and we need Jesus to save now. As redeemer and friend, not as a political power. And we might think that sounds really great. Let's call upon Jesus to fix our problems. But he already has fulfilled our greatest need. Spurgeon says this, I have a great need for Christ. And I have a great Christ for my need. That's who Jesus is, fulfilling the greatest need that we have. So what do we do? We receive Jesus as the triumphant Messiah, Savior. Psalm 118 says this, save now, I pray, O Lord. Oh, Lord, I pray, send now prosperity. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. We have blessed you from the house of the Lord. These words are spoken here on the streets of Jerusalem. Reciting these words of praise that they would be remembering. Further, it says, blessed be. 
The word blessed, as we've studied before, you would know to mean, oh, how happy. And this word here, it is a blessing over the coming king that they're proclaiming. It's a common word. That these, this statement here, blessed is the, the, uh, the king who comes in the name of the Lord. It's a common blessing over someone. He who comes in the name of the Lord. The people are praising Jesus, and Jesus is pleased. Oh, how happy. He is blessed, and they are calling him blessed. Blessed is he. Oh, how happy is he. And think about the joy. How would he be happy? I don't know about you. If I knew I was going to my death, would I be parading down the streets in front of everybody? Would I be presenting myself to be prepared for death? No, I'd probably run and hide. Find a way out. Do everything possible to avoid illness. Avoid pain and suffering and death. That's our perspective. But his kingdom is spiritual. So his decisions are spiritual. And what he does is the spiritual response Blessed, oh, how happy. Jesus is well pleased. Hebrews chapter 12, verse one and two says, therefore we also, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and the sin which so easily ensnares us and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us, looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross despising the shame and has sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. That's our king. And he had a joy set before him. He rode on that donkey and paraded, was paraded through the streets of, of Jerusalem in, a, in being blessed, in being, oh, how happy, in this great joy that was set before him. That joy that was set before him was you and me. The joy that was set before him was the cross, his love for us. In John chapter 11, Jesus speaks to Lazarus and he says to him, Take off your grave clothes, translated to the garments of death. And now in Hebrews chapter 12, it says that we would lay aside the weight and the sin that so easily ensnares us. Laying aside the garments of death. It's the same words that are spoken of here, laying it all aside, not walking around like dead men looking like dead men. Why? Because Jesus entered Jerusalem in triumph over sin, paraded himself in triumph over sin in all humility. And we're to lay aside because of his joy. He had a great motive, joy. Jesus went down that Palm Sunday road in preparation for the cross. Continuing there in verse nine, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. We're talking about the name of the Lord. The statement is to say, blessed be the name of the Lord. We're speaking of honor here and placing Jesus in a place of honor. Honor. 
It is he who comes in the name of the Lord, and blessed be the name of the Lord. And that statement, blessed be the name of the Lord, is that common phrase of speaking blessing over someone. Blessed be the name of the Lord. At the same time as speaking this blessing over and this honor over Jesus and saying blessed is he or blessed be the name of the Lord, there's this proclamation of Jesus as the Messiah because he has come. He is the one who has come, the king who has come in the name of the Lord. Recognizing that Jesus is who he said he is. And so as we think about the name of the Lord, there's, you know, the, the person and the name cannot be separated. And there are so many names for God because there's so much to, to try to express who he is, of his character. But there's, you can't separate a person from the name. How do we describe somebody? Now, I'm not great with names, and I meet all of you at various times, and I may not remember from week to week. And I may be described, yeah, there was a new person I met and this is what they look like and I'm trying to tell Pastor Mark maybe or Pastor Colin and we're, oh yeah, I got to meet them too. Their name is this. Oh good, now we've got it. We've connected the name, right? You can't separate a person from the name. When you're born, what's one of the first things that happen? They weigh you and they, you know, do some of their little things that they do and, and then what? You need to be given a name. Jesus has been given the name that is above every name. And that at that name, every knee would bow and every tongue would confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. So blessed be the name of the Lord. Blessed be this, the King. The King who is coming. His name represents his character. Proverbs chapter 18 says, the name of the Lord is a strong tower. The righteous run into it and are safe. They are saved, is what it's speaking of. Through the strength, through the power of the name of the Lord. Because we cannot separate his name from his character, then we know that God is a strong tower trustworthy and so further we could even talk about some of the names of God Elohim creator El Shaddai the supplier the name Jehovah has been given right Jehovah meaning my Lord and my God and then connected to Jehovah, there's many other names given with that. Jehovah Jireh, the provider. Jehovah Rophi, the healer. Jehovah Makedesh, the sanctifier. What we recognize is that Jesus is a fulfillment of all these things. And they say, blessed be the name of the Lord as they look upon the king who is coming. Sanctifier, healer, provider. My Lord and God. And Jesus is oh how happy with what he's about to face down. He is blessed with the joy that was set before him. Perhaps the multitude didn't even realize what they were saying. I would imagine some did not. 
and some did. But we know because Jesus rose from the dead, because Jesus died on the cross and rose from the dead, we know who he is. Jesus is enough and he's done enough to save, not just now, but forever. He's able. As it says here that Hosanna in the highest, or John's gospel says, Hosanna to the king of Israel. It's a plea for political salvation from the oppression of the Romans. And that would demonstrate further the lack of understanding. But then here in verses 10 and 11, after this entry, the celebration, the praise, the blessing, and the honor. Now verse 10, it says, and when he had come into Jerusalem, all the city was moved. All the city was moved by Jesus. Guys, the whole world was moved and is and will be moved by Jesus. And this foreshadowing of the coming of the king, remember that the whole world will be moved by Jesus, by him alone. So as the whole city was moved, think, you know, for some it was controversy. For the chief priests and the Pharisees, they were moved and it wasn't good. They weren't happy about it. For some, it was misunderstanding, thinking of a political salvation. For some, it was true. Salvation, save now. Recognizing how desperate they were for a savior. Let us pray for a move in our midst. Today and throughout the rest of this week, Many people come to church this week that don't come. Maybe you're even here today. You thought, you know what? I'll get a pre-week in before Easter. And I'll come on Palm Sunday and Easter Sunday and Christmas Eve and, you know. But maybe you're just here because you think you should come to church. But let's pray for a move as there will be many visiting. Let's pray for a move in our midst. Let's pray for a move in our own hearts and minds. Not just coming to church and thinking, well, hey, this is, this is good to be in church and be together. Praise the Lord. Amen, it is good. But let's be moved by Jesus. Let's be changed by the work that he's done. And the reason that he came, which is to bring salvation. That we would celebrate rightly the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ. And so the response, though, if they are moved, people are saying, who is this? And the response, though, he's the prophet, Jesus, from Galilee. That would be a shocking statement, by the way. He's the prophet from Galilee, from Nazareth. What good can come from Nazareth? And here's Jesus being paraded as the king through the streets of Jerusalem. 
But you see, they were lacking understanding of what was going on in the resurrection of Jesus. The glorification of Jesus would settle it all. And it's settled for us. The resurrection makes sense of everything because it is the key to all our faith. It brings together Old and New Testament. It fulfills and it makes sense of prophecy. And it teaches and transforms us still today. The power of the resurrection. We're going to get further into that next Sunday. So in conclusion, remember this. The work of Jesus requires a response. Today we see this celebration or the humility of Christ that brings forth this celebration, praise, blessing, and honor of Christ, which is due his name. As we say in response, blessed be the name of the Lord. This proclamation of praise and recognition of who he is, what he's done, and the fellowship that we have with him. Amen? Jesus, we thank you so much for your, your work, for your sacrifice. We thank you so much for the hope that we have in you. We thank you for the confidence we can have that the king is coming. And we say, blessed be the name of the Lord. Here today, we recognize our great need. And we love you and we trust you. Maybe you're here with us today and you've never given your life to Jesus. Would you come to that place of saying, save now? Come to that place of recognizing your great need for a savior. Would you cry out to Jesus in desperation? That desperation is that all have sinned, fallen short of the glory of God. We are all sinners. And the wages of sin is death. But the gift of God is eternal life. That is a cry of desperation. That we are dead in our trespasses and sin, but made alive in Christ.